that was loud and obnoxious did you hear that too yeah no i love it okay it's like you are also being recorded motherfucker this isn't that's fine (laughs) hello everybody and welcome to the how to do drugs podcast i am your host Aliyah janine and i am back from not having a computer which is um really nice because i didn't i wasn't able to record any episodes or edit any of the episodes that i previously had so there was a couple weeks with just no episodes i just said fuck it um because that's the way i do things and then finally the new computer came and it is fancy it's so big it's nice it's very nice um today you know what i should have asked how i said your last i had to pronounce your last name uh before i started recording but um i'm stoned so that's fine i know it's mishka right it's mishka Mishka? oh people have been calling me mishka for like fucking 15 years so i i don't hold it against you for um at least you asked (laughs) at least you didn't pronounce it steven you know? <laughs> uh, well, my name's actually pronounced Alia, but everyone, there's like five people who call me Alia. It's normally just Aaliyah because it's just easier for white people. I've uh, come to the conclusion. Of. Bingo. Yeah. I mean, there's a certain point in your life where you're just like, fuck it, I give up. Yeah. Uh, you know? Well, but- it is. Well, I mean, it's also that American Mishka. So it's Mishka, which actually also makes sense. Uh, uh, Mishka and then Shub. I'm not even, how do you say your last name? Shibali. Shibali. Okay. Yeah. That's not what I was going to say. That's not, I am really bad with names of people who have listened to the show. No, I'm, um, my tongue doesn't work. Um, yeah. All right. So <laughs> you're on the show today. <laughs> <laughs> you, what's your face? You're on the show. <laughs> um, no, we've been Twitter buddies for a while, um, yeah. which is cool. Yeah. I think, um, I don't really know, but for a while. Some people like are cool um, that like you follow back and stuff like that. And then you interact and then it's cool. And then you get to do podcasts and stuff like that. And other people um, you unfollow and end up blocking, you know, Twitter. (laughs) Too bad you can't do that in real life. That'd be great. Just put a block up and be like, I can't see you anymore. See, I've tried to do that in real life. Like, you know, if I if I see a girl I like, I just tell her, you know, I'm I'm following you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, it hasn't, hasn't worked out so great so far. You know? No, no, or like a uh, Facebook has the poke, and you're just like, just go up to people randomly poking people. Yeah, maybe we're just better off living like just yelling at our computers. <laughs> um, it may be safer, definitely less diseases. Um, right? Yes, okay. fewer fewer viruses, I guess. Um, well, I mean, computers have viruses too, but um computer aids right there have been many times when i was staring at my computer where i was like i would rather have chlamydia (laughs) because because chlamydia i know how to fix and this is uh you know above my pay grade yeah chlamydia is um as someone who has had chlamydia twice um no i had gonorrhea twice i only had chlamydia once kind of I didn't test positive for it, but someone I worked with had it and he told me. So I just went and got the drugs for it. I was like, we're just going to go through the process. (laughs) My my 15 year old niece was visiting me. She just turned 15 and I went down to Bisbee to hang out and to sort of show her around. And Mm -hmm. we hung out with Christine Levine, who I fucking adore. And I was I don't. I don't know if you know this about me. I don't spend a lot of time around just turned 15 year old girls. So I had no idea like how to talk to her or how to interact with her. So I was like, you know, and I sort of like got it wrong and got it right. And like, I took her to the petting zoo on the way down there. And we Mm -hmm. like, you know, got to fucking see the stingrays and little birds and shit like that. And it was amazing. But I was also wondering like, what left, like what level of honesty do you have with your niece who's just turned 15? Yeah. Then we had dinner with Christine Levine and she was like, Oh, sorry guys. Uh, dinner is going to be late after run down to Mexico to get drugs. Not like drugs, drugs, just like, you know, um, you know, painkillers for my bone rot and yeah. like, you know, drugs for chlamydia. Coco, have you ever had chlamydia? Uh, it's, it's, it's nothing. Everybody gets it all the time. I, I I've had it many times. You'll get it too, unless you live your life in a fucking museum. And I was like, well, uh, Okay, a cat's out of the bag, right? (laughs) Yeah, well, I think, too, especially with access to the internet, kids are definitely a lot, um, they know a lot more than we did, like, because I'm, um, I'm 42. So I mean, I was lucky to know about that stuff, because my mom was a registered nurse. So especially STDs and how babies came about. um, I knew about that. But yeah, like, 
kids probably do know a lot more, even though they don't realize that they do because everything is so fast and all the information that they're getting. Some of the stuff may stick, some of the stuff may not. But I especially think with like sex and, and drugs um, that they're that they probably have more knowledge now than we did maybe when um, when we were that age, because like even though I you know, was partying and, and stuff like that. Like we didn't have like the different strains. Like we were always getting like that brickweed, you know, with all the fucking sticks, and, you know, because that's what we had at that time. And all of a sudden the weed started getting better. And now they have like, they could just go into a fucking dispensary and get it. So yeah, I'm sure their knowledge on um, that kind of stuff may be more than, um, than we think. <laughs> One thing's for sure though, is that regardless of how much knowledge they have, they definitely don't want to talk about it with their weird uncle. I, <laughs> <laughs> I actually <laughs> talked about a lot of stuff with my, um, with my uncle, but he wasn't, um, you're not weird, but yeah, because it's <laughs> not, because it's not your dad. You know what I mean? It's like still a family member and it's not like your dad. So like you can't get in as much trouble. For me, like I always felt more comfortable talking to like my aunts and uncles about stuff. And then they would pass the information on to my parents and we'll see. <laughs> that was I, just me though. I did a long car trip with my nephew who was, I think he was like 17 or 18 at the time. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, this is it. This is, you know, I need to talk to him about the, you know, fucking alt-right and proud boys and mm -hmm. fucking um the sort of uh evolving state of consent and like all this shit you know and i and, and i don't know how i don't fucking have kids i don't know how to do this but i yeah. i was like i need to do this this is my role as the fucking mm -hmm. uncle so i tried to talk to him about like homophobia and transphobia and stuff like that mm -hmm. and i built it up in this like was sort of rehearsing like in the bathroom in my head and then i was like well you know Mick, uh, you know, that, you know, we recognize now that people's, you know, sort of are, are born on a gender spectrum and, mm -hmm. you know, and I was sort of like getting like building up ahead of steam to launch into this whole thing. And he was like, yeah, no, I know that, you know, there, you know, there are sort of like boys and girls and then like a, a, an infinite number of gradations in between. And I don't, I don't care if people want to have sex with boys or girls or, or what they do, as long as it doesn't hurt me. Yeah. I was like, what like and you're like you're all prepared but also I, I, I was like dude you didn't you didn't even let me get to the fucking I, what are we gonna talk about for the next 45 <laughs> minutes like I, I had this whole fucking thing you're already more evolved than I am they, like yeah. that I you know at 44 um but but also yeah I mean it, it's a I think we tend to see like the negative shit you know and you just yeah. read the newspaper and there well, we also grew up with the the negative side like I just watched that uh, was it the music box the Woodstock 99 documentary and how they were talking about how like toxic um masculinity was back then and it really was like once I was watching that I'm like oh yeah no we did grow up with that like I grew up thinking I'm like I wanted to do like girls gone wild I was like like that was something I was like I could do that I got titties you know kind of thing and yeah so it really and now like it may be going a little extreme with some of this stuff you know people trying to cancel people for jokes and and that kind of stuff but at the same time like it's good like sexuality has always been a spectrum it's just religion and like I want to say like the middle ages kind of was like we can't do that that's gross probably the british or something i don't know <laughs> it, it, it's it was it's just so weird for me to like hang out with a young man who never grew up with like gay as a pejorative term mm -hmm. and, and didn't like from you know it's like the way that i grew up it's like one day you look down and you're like oh i have like a little thing between my legs and then the next day people are like better not be gay better hope you're not gay what yeah. if you're gay? you know and you so you just grow up with this fear of like oh i saw a boner in porn and now i think i'm gay you yeah, know yeah 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 like it's just it's weird to to i mean it's cool you know mm -hmm. i don't think that kids should grow up with that like yeah with that fear of just like am i gay it's like who cares if you are if you like yeah. a little dick suck a little dick <laughs> <laughs> it is what it is yeah it is um it is like the change is good, but I also think that like, I mean, cause it's like in the process of doing it, that it is going to be really uncomfortable. And then sooner or later it will smooth out where people can take jokes and not get so easily offended and people won't be so aggressively fighting it, you know, as, as much, or at least like they'll be closeted. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, that, that's one of the things I was thinking when I was talking, you know, to my nephew is that I was like, if he's, if the person he's making uncomfortable is me, 
mm-hmm. by his lack of casual homophobia mm-hmm. that's fucking great you know mm-hmm. and like and the shit that's going on now i mean you see all these comics who are just like fucking crying about it and it's like dude this is the fucking stretch marks phase from yeah. like when you go from you know being fucking 11 to 16 or whatever and we're gonna fucking get through it and we're gonna mm-hmm. be fine it's part of growing yeah. up you know like yep it's part of evolving yeah. <laughs> it really is a part of uh, evolution and uh there's a lot of people who don't like to evolve they don't like change my great grandpa is one of those but he's dead now so that's uh, <laughs> yeah, like the he died <laughs> died at like 98 and like and once you get like to that age it's like are you really going to change their mind about certain things like my, he used to drop the n-bomb all the time and we're native american but that was still like a thing that he did and we're just like you can't say that we're you know and it's just like he's like whatever so um but yeah he's dead now so it's okay <laughs> but he's drop, dropping n-bombs in heaven, in heaven. The, um, the, the great white spirit uh the <laughs> But that, but that is the thing too, is, you know, like with my dad, you know, it's like, I can, I can try to change him and mm-hmm. ruin Thanksgiving <laughs> or just mm-hmm. be like, Hey dad, you love the Steve Miller band, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, just, just keep it simple. Fucking, yeah. That's what I do. You know, the, but I mean, I don't know. I'll, I'll be honest. Like I, I don't fucking like changing either or. Yeah. Uh, no, it's uncomfortable. It's gross. Yeah. <laughs> you know the um i go back and look you know i go back and listen to some of the songs i wrote when i was younger or like some of the shit that i wrote and i was mm-hmm. I'm like oh fuck <laughs> 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 oh man i i should just go hide in a cave yeah but, well yeah because those were feelings that you felt at that particular time and then now that you're older you have more life experience um, you've dealt with other things. Yeah. You look back, like I still have my fucking diary, you know, my journals from when I was a teenager, I was like, I was pathetic. Like <laughs> I was so like angsty, just a typical teenage girl. Oh, so funny. Some of it for me is the, you know, the sort of like trademark toxic masculinity shit, but other mm-hmm. this, I mean, this sucks to cop to, but I think I'm more embarrassed about the bad writing. <laughs> you know, where, where I'm like, okay, this is totally, you know, sort of barely closeted racism and just over the top misogyny. But what's really unforgivable is this extended metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's just certain things where you're like, okay, that's, yeah. that's, you need to evolve to the point of using commas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> commas are very important. I use them maybe a little too much, um, but that's okay. Um, I used to write a lot of college papers, APA style, and I used to get a lot of trouble for um, commas, which is fine. I still got A's, so it's I'm fine. Um, so let's get into drugs. So we were talking about um, talking with younger kids. Um, did you talk to either your niece or your um nephew about drugs do you think that they do drugs or have they done them yeah no they're fucking nerds dorks squares i mean i might i think my role as the the uncle is going to be to introduce them to drugs (laughs) um i actually i had you know most of my my mom comes from a family of 17 Mm -hmm. so i have like 60 some cousins and i was and i'm older than most of them and we were Mm -hmm. hanging out once in in Canada and they sort of cornered me and they were like, we know that, you know, about drugs. <laughs> and I was like, why? Yes, I do. <laughs> yes, I and they were like, tell us. And I was like, everybody needs to do mushrooms and you probably don't need to do cocaine. Cause you're sufficiently annoying already. <laughs> and, um, you know, be really never inject anything and mm-hmm. be real careful with like fucking pills and powders, you know? Yeah. Um, Which is I a great like, drug talk uh, to be. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I also, you know, gave them the, you know, the speech too that like, um, you know, when you're a dude and you get too fucked up, you like wake up, you know, in, in a field and you have to fucking walk home and whatever and sadly when you're a woman and you get too fucked up there's a whole whole different 
fucking bad thing that yeah waking up in some hours. strange dude's bed i've although yeah. i've woken up in the middle of fields as well because i've always been more of a dude anyway when it comes to partying and stuff like that i'm also violent and a lot of people were very afraid of my father in high school so i didn't really have to worry hmm. about that um thank god <laughs> uh for the most part at least but yeah the um the drug talk, especially with kids, like I do think it's like I think people should try stand up comedy and stripping at least once, you know, like you should do something that absolutely terrifies you. Like I am terrified of singing and like karaoke. So every once in a while, my friends be like karaoke. And I'm like, fuck, I start hyperventilating. I'm like, all right, let's go do some fucking karaoke or something. But um, when it comes with um, with certain drugs, like I definitely think people should try mushrooms and, and maybe acid. Um, I'm a big fan of cocaine, but yeah, especially like, I, <laughs> I also think though, that you may need to know, um, like your personality, you know, cause I definitely have like one of those very addictive type, uh, personalities. And if, um, and if you think that something like cocaine or even heroin could be, if it's enticing to you in a way then maybe like kind of stay away from that one. But like, yeah, once you do it, it's kind of over. <laughs> once you've had that taste, it's like a vampire. Once you had that taste of blood, you can't go back. The, um, I mean, I guess that's the flip side of, um, you know, Ele Eleanor Roosevelt's quote of like, every day you should do some stripping or I mean, every, every, <laughs> every day you should do something that scares you. <laughs> and, and also if you really, really, really want to do something, mm -hmm maybe you should lay off or at least not yeah. fucking inject it. Yeah. Yeah. That's one thing. Thank God. Um, I never was got into, um, injecting, although like I've, I've said this before, I think with uh, Doug Stanhope that, yeah, like if I'm terminally ill, fucking shoot me up. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I had like, brief, if I'm going, fuck it. When I was living in New York at like the end of my drinking career, I had a brief, um, affair flirtation. I don't know okay. the, um, fling with an opiate called opana which i thought was like fucking percocet or mm -hmm. whatever and then when and i'd been using it for a while and, and then i was like snorting morphine with this girl and i felt nothing and i was like wait if i'm snorting morphine and feeling nothing what's in this drug yeah. that has been getting me colossally high <laughs> and i looked it up and it was i mean it was sort of like um you know, laboratory made heroin. Yeah. Know? And then on all the, the sort of opiate um, forums, you know, there was, there was the guy who was like, oh, I've been mainlining heroin for 27 years and never felt something like this. Jesus. And I was like, oh, fuck me. What have I got? And you're just popping them like they're Percocet. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I was, I was, well, they, they also, they weren't even time release. So it was really, it was, it was like crushing up like fucking sweet tarts. Okay. You know, and they, you, like, it was just perfect for snorting. And um, the, and coming off that was incredibly hard. But I still, I have like, like, not like wet dreams, but definitely fucking boner dreams about them where I'm mm -hmm. like, I'm like a rat with like a, an Opana tablet, like the size of a fucking Ottoman. And I'm just like gnawing on it with a big fucking farm on, like pumping the pill, you know, because I definitely had that, like that pleasure center, this, mm -hmm. the, you know, the drug vampire thing in your yeah. brain. Like it got to me. You yeah. Know? And that's just that one that calls you every once in a while in the back. Yeah. yeah and then, yeah, sometimes you don't even realize and be like, I'm like having dinner with my mom. Why do I want to do a bump all of a sudden? Like yeah. there's nothing, just all of a sudden something triggers it. Yeah. And it is, um, it is a beast that you definitely have to, um, consciously fight. Uh, you definitely have to consciously fight that. So you, um, you don't drink anymore at all. Like you told me that like one high life and you be, and you basically be dead. Uh, when did you really start drinking heavily? Like, and what was the cause of your heavy drinking? Um, when I was a when I was a kid, I think, you know, I, my parents came from a sort of like very, you know, like drinking culture, like neither of my parents are alcoholic, but they just, you know, they were like sort of farm kids from the, the prairies. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, everybody there had, you know, a fucking bottle of like hooch in the back of their car or whatever. Um, and um, so I, you know, sort of like, you know, got a, a drink here or there when I was a kid. But then I think I was probably like 12 or 13. The first time I, I drank like 
a fucking six pack of tall boys or something like that and got plastered. Mm -hmm. And I just had that sensation where I was like, I have finally become who I am. Mm -hmm. And this is who I will be for the rest of my life. You know, that this is, this is my calling, you know, and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, you think there's always this, if you're, if you're reading a biography of like a musician or something like that, they talk about like, oh, the first time I heard, you know, fucking Dickie Betts play or whatever, that's what woke me up, you know, or Mm -hmm. whatever. And um, it, for me, it was, it was fucking Budweiser. It was getting hammered. And I was like, I, I will do this all the time. Yeah. And, and of the way that it made you feel and stuff like that, like, especially when you drink, like your those inhibitions are gone, like you're happier, you're more vocal, like more social and stuff. You're like, oh, I like this version of myself, especially when you're younger and like, you're still trying to figure out who you are. And like, even, you know, that whole landscape and puberty and all that other stuff. Yeah. I could see drinking being very like, I like this person. Yeah. I was like, you know, kind of an awkward, like melancholy kid Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, and, and kind of shy and like hyper self-aware and stuff like that. And then, but also too, like, you know, I was, um, I was very aware of like, um, I was aware that like my dad was a pussy and okay. that I wanted to be a tough guy. Okay. You know? And, um, I sort of figured out early on that like alcohol was this shortcut to, to toughness, to being like a badass or a hard okay. ass or whatever, you know, sort of all the guys I thought were, you know, mm-hmm. um, cool drink and I, you Drinking know, beer, I, crushing beer cans and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and also, I mean, when I was 16, I discovered, uh, Johnny cash live at Folsom in San Quentin mm-hmm. and, uh, somebody, uh, my buddy who lived across the hall for me walked into my door one morning and like kicked beer cans out of the way. And was like, you need to read this book and threw a book at me and then walked out. And I looked at the book and it was Women by Charles Bukowski. (laughs) And he should have just given me like explosives or like a fucking bag full of rattlesnakes or Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? That those books or that book, that album and alcohol fucking hell man that like it just wreaked so much havoc on my life for such a long time yeah you know, I, I still feel like i'm recovering from it like i you know <laughs> I, I read a fucking bukowski line and i'm like yeah and I'm like, yeah no. <laughs> <laughs> he does bring that out in people do you think uh was your um was your music really affected by um by the drinking and stuff like that do you think yeah. it was yeah, I mean, that was for me, that was one of the hardest things about getting sober was that I, you know, I built this entire identity, mm-hmm. um, not just about around being the sort of like drunk party guy, but um, but but being hung over and and like being broke, being heartbroken, feeling bad, being fucking down on your luck mm-hmm. and like the and. And I guess the good thing is that it it resonated with people. And the bad thing is it's resonated with the worst people, yeah. you know, and, I'll, you know, whenever, whenever I get a message or somebody comes up to me at the merch table and they're, they're like, man, I've been listening to your music nonstop. I'm like, are, are you okay? <laughs> you want me to call somebody, you know, like, because it is, it's, you know, it's like uh, self-pity porn or something, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I, I when I quit drinking, I didn't play music for, or I didn't play my own music for five years. Mm-hmm. And then I, um, I had a show or I had a couple of shows opening up for Doug and I was like, Oh fuck, I need to go back and like relearn these songs. And as I was relearning the songs, I would sort of, you know, you, you're focusing on like playing the chords, right. And like, you know, seeing the words, right. Mm-hmm. And then every once in a while I would sort of like tune out and then tune back in and like hear what was going on in the song. And I was like, Oh my God, I hope this guy is okay. You know, and I, I would just totally lose perspective that it was me, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and uh, so I don't know, man. I mean, it, it's weird, you know, at this point, like I've been sober for a dozen years. Um, mm-hmm. The I've found my sweet spot of like, um, I've been an outspoken proponent for mushrooms and DMT and acid as mm-hmm. actually, you know, powerful anti-addiction medications um, I used ketamine recently and it w- I had a, like a, a really great experience with that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at this point in my life, I'm not just like grateful to be sober. I'm also grateful that I was a drunk, 
for such mm-hmm. a long time. Um, it taught me empathy. Yeah. Other human beings, you know, I mean, I was like a fucking 13 year old social Darwin. Humility. Yeah. (laughs) Why don't these people get jobs, you know? And, Mm -hmm. and now like, um, when I see somebody living under a bridge, you know, I don't have to go to great lengths to remind myself that like, there's a human being there. Yeah. And, and also like there, but for the grace of mom, go I. You know, there, 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 there were plenty of times in my life where shit could have taken a, a left turn and, uh, you could and have been that just, guy. Yeah. I could just wound up outdoors, you know? Yeah. Um, so you said that you just taken ketamine. Now they've been doing a lot of things with ketamine with, um, like depression and stuff like that. Like, I guess it's, um, they have, uh, like little vape things and stuff like that. And I guess it's, um, a lot of the studies have shown that it's helped with depression. Uh, what made you try ketamine and tell me about your experience with it? Um, have you done ketamine before? Oh yeah. My ex, um, used to sell it. (laughs) Oh Lordy. (laughs) I've been stuck in a hole a few times. You're like, I'm just a pile of ketamine wearing headphones. Um, (laughs) no, the, so I went through some really horrible shit in November that, I can't really talk about and that I'm still having a hard time getting through. And I'm at a point where I'm like, I'll fucking try anything, you know, like, um, I'm even actually going to start going to real therapy, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but I was looking into, um, you know, I, I, I smoked DMT with some friends a little while ago and that was sort of like temporarily helpful. Um, and I saw my cat as like a sort of sexy guardian figure, which I don't want to talk too much about that. <laughs> Understood. Uh, the, <laughs> the things there we don't need to know. Uh, but um, I, then I was looking into this sort of like ketamine therapy and um, I got really interested in it. And I filled out like the online thing and they were like, you're an excellent, um, you know, uh, candidate for it uh please send us a thousand dollars and i was like go fuck yourself right. i know a guy <laughs> it's over 12 years if i still know a fucking guy right you know? never so, not know a guy yeah the so i reached out to a friend and they um i mean i love having the like drug aficionado buddy who's like Oh, you would really enjoy don't, you know, not just shrooms, but is it, you know, penis envy or golden teacher? And I was like, wait, is this yeah, a fucking yeah, wine yeah. course? Like, what is this? <laughs> you know, the fucking nerds. Um, but God bless the drug nerds because, yeah. you know, he was like, what do you weigh? And I was like, well, before I poop or after I poop the, um, <laughs> I, uh, and, uh, so he gave me two doses of ketamine sort Mm -hmm. of enough for me to do two different trips and I'm so sober alcoholic so I did them both at once and (laughs) was uh was fucking immobilized staring at a flashing light yeah but it I sort of went into it with um an intention as they say in yoga Mm -hmm. and uh the you know I I knew what I was going to think about while I was there and sort of how I was going to proceed or whatever mm-hmm. and just spent fuck I don't know an eternity um laying there pleasantly paralyzed um babbling just sort of like you know sort of surfing through this you know wave of emotion yeah not um not totally like out of my body like DMT but also not I you know sort of like out of my mind in a pleasant way like in my emotions but not in my intellect or something like that yeah well I mean you went in with an intention too so that's the thing that you wanted to focus on as well so that probably helped with that um you know and the um I haven't really talked about this but I, I guess we sort of touched on a little bit you know that like there's um I think one of the things that people are so resistant to with sort of like woke culture is, you know, the prescriptives, prescriptive thing about Mm -hmm. um, you're supposed to feel this way or you're not supposed to feel this way or you're not supposed to have this thought or you're not Mm -hmm. supposed to have that thought or whatever, you you know, like. um, Like the think police. (laughs) Yeah. And like, um, I don't 
have rape dreams often, but I've had a couple in my life. Mm -hmm. And then you wake up and feel fucking horrible. Like you're a criminal, like Mm -hmm. you're, you know, some fucking, you know, vile deviant or whatever. And it's just, it's like fucking, I mean, unless you're dreaming about it every night or you dream about it and you fucking wake up and beat off, you know, like, it's just your, it's like your brain scan, you know, scanning through channels or something like yeah. that. And, and you it's just can't... putting random shit together that you have no control yeah. over whatsoever. Yeah. Or, you, know, you, you know, yeah. Don't watch fucking SVU before you go to sleep or something. Exactly. Or don't eat onions before you go to sleep. <laughs> I don't know what it is, you know, but sometimes it's just noise. Yeah. And the, you know, so the, in sort of like trying to process like, you know, what's been going on the last six to eight months, I think there's been a lot of um, like, well, you know, we do this thing of like, oh, if you have a, if you have a dog that dies, mm-hmm. you know, then you're like, oh, well, it's white privilege to, to feel sad about that dog or it's, oh. it's, it's Western or, you know, in, in uh, you know, Burkina Faso in sub-Saharan Africa, you know, like they, you know, they don't even, they're not even allowed to keep dogs as pets. So I'm not, yeah, most not of the time they're food allow- for other cultures. Yeah. The, <laughs> so I'm not going to allow myself to feel grief and that's fucking bullshit. Yeah. You just, you just have to feel what you're going to feel mm-hmm. and you know understand why you feel that way and then move on <laughs> yes and write about it in your fucking diary yeah. use extended metaphors you know <laughs> but i think um i think i you know i do believe in um it's such a fucking weird word but i believe in like woke culture i believe um i you know i believe that there that people can say or do things that should make us fucking yank their funding, you know, Um, the not in every instance, you know, but also fucking Louis CK is still working. Yeah. You know, like the, it's like, it's sort of like cancel culture doesn't exist, you know? Yeah. It's and he didn't fucking... even say anything. He was just jacking off in front of chicks. Yeah. Without yeah. their permission. I've always yeah. said, I'm like, at least they could, he could have just paid them. I'm like, I would have made him pay me. I'm like, that's money. <laughs> I bet you all those chicks have OnlyFans now, though. I'm going to don't, don't leave it on that. the table. The, um, but, you know, I mean, I, I like, I believe all that shit, you know, mm-hmm. I believe the, that, you know, particularly, you know, whatever, I'm a fucking six foot five straight white man with a deep voice. Mm-hmm. I have all kinds of fucking privilege, you know, and I do think it's important to acknowledge it. But I think in trying to like fucking get over what's been eating at me, mm-hmm. what I've been, instead, what I've been doing is like putting up obstacles to, to actually processing those feelings and actually feeling those feelings, you know, yeah. it's like feeling, feeling sucks sometimes all of the yeah, time. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, if you wake up with fucking rot gut from drinking like well tequila, mm-hmm. you can try not to puke all day long and mm-hmm. you're just going to feel like dog shit all day long. Or mm-hmm. you can be like, fuck it, go to the bathroom, stick your toothbrush down your throat. Purge it. Throw up. Yes. Throw up, drink a Gatorade, eat some food, and then you feel better. Yeah. You know? So it's, it's, I think it's really just that I gotta like, um, I gotta find a way to, to get those obstacles out of the way yeah. so that I can just feel what I need to feel. And, um, the process, the feeling, yeah. And ketamine was super helpful with that, Mm -hmm. you know, and also it was like euphoric. So Mm -hmm. it's, um, it was sort of like the, I keep going back to the metaphor of like eternal sunshine and spotless mind, you know, it was sort of like, you can reflect on a relationship, but carefully forget all the times they were fucking horrible to you. Yeah. Instead, remember all the times they like got you a thing for your birthday or yeah, you want to remember all the nice things. (laughs) That tends to be, oh, go ahead. It just, I felt like ketamine allowed me to sort of like cherry pick and Mm -hmm. like um, turn up the volume on the positive things and turn down the, the volume on the negative things. On the negative things. Yeah. Where you're able to focus more because a lot of times um, people do get stuck just focusing on the negative and then that's all they think about. It would depend relationships or just anything, you know, life in general, if you keep focusing on um, 
like maybe you're unemployed or like you don't know what you want to do or, you know, that kind of stuff. You're never going to figure it out because all you're doing is focusing on why you don't feel good because of these things instead of be like, okay, well, if I think this way, like I, I told one of my buddies, I'm like, for every time you think of something, like if there's a negative thought that pops in your head, think of two positive things. Like, I don't have any positive things. I'm like, I gave him a list of stuff. I'm like, and you get add to this. He's like, I don't believe any of that. I'm like, well, for me, that's kind of like a fake it till you make a thing because these are all things. And everyone that you know are going to say that these are qualities that you have. You just not seeing them right now because you don't want to. So whenever yeah. you're ready to see those things, you will see them. But until then you're not. And sometimes, especially when it comes with depression and, and stuff like that, um, it's hard because you're fucking depressed and your brain is like, you suck and you should die now. And then, and then stuff like ketamine. Um, when I did it, um, like I, I was, I was very young. I was like, uh, 19. I don't think it was even legal to drink yet. Um, and it was like raver. It was, you know, the, the late nineties, early two thousands in Chicago, like the Chicago, uh, raver scene there. Um, his uncle was a uh, veterinarian. So his cousin used to steal vials. We used to just get a whole box of fucking ketamine and we would cook it up. You know, we boil a pot of water. You put a plate on top, put the liquid on. So it turns into power powder. If we were in a hurry, we had to throw it in the microwave, but you have to put something over it. So it would start popping. Um, but I was really big into like Coke and like I was dabbling with meth at that time. So it's like two completely like the relationship did not last very long, obviously, um, <laughs> at all. I need to start an app called Bender. So it's like you find the person that does the same drugs as you. <laughs> um, but the couple of times that, that I did do it, um, like I obviously at first it, it kind of made me feel like really like light like just a whole weight was lifted off of me. And then, um, and then I do a little bit more. And then I kind of felt like I was getting like that drunk. Like I had like, you know, a good couple of drinks or I had that good buzz going and then I did more. And then it just made me feel nauseous most of the time. And then like, you get stuck in like a K hole. Um, I never did enough. I don't think to really be in a K hole. I always just like made myself throw up afterwards. I'm like, this sucks. <laughs> so I never really, um, I never really did it um, for like benefactual things because my mom um, being a nurse, because like, like they also use ketamine, um, you know, for um, for labor, you know, for pain. It is kind of like it could be used for like a pain uh, thing as well because of like that light feeling that you get and you do kind of feel it's like a very I want to say maybe like a sedative um, kind of thing. But um, that's great that it, that it's um, how do you think you're going to try more? to help you work through this stuff or? Yeah, I mean, I um, I start therapy this week, next week, um, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna do EMDR, okay. um, which I haven't done, you know, before, but, you know, people who I know who have like lived through trauma have, you know, have said that it's, you know, been super helpful with them sort of mm -hmm. processing stuff. But um, the, I had to go in and fill out like a fucking intake exam for it. And, you know, and don't never be like they say honesty is a good thing. Not don't be totally <laughs> those alcohol questionnaires and shit like that. Like, have you ever thought about harming yourself? Don't mm -hmm. check off the fucking everyday box. Yeah, because they want to lock you up. Yeah, I almost got committed. And they were like, you know, do you think about suicide? And I was like, do I? I've made a fucking career out of it. Are you right. kidding? Like, listen to my last record. <laughs> you know, the, the, I, uh, you know, you want it in three, four or four, four, you mm -hmm. know, the um, so I was like honest about, you know, suicidal ideation and stuff like that. And suddenly the room was full of people mm -hmm. and um, the and and. I, you know, I was talking to this doctor, this sort of like well-intentioned doctor. And what made me think of this is what you were, you know, the way you were sort of coaching your friend, you know, and he mm -hmm. said, well, you know, maybe when you have these, you know, suicidal, you know, these feelings that like, oh, well, if I was dead, I wouldn't have to do my laundry. Mm -hmm. Like when you have thoughts like that, just, you know, sort of try to back away from it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, actually, that's terrible advice. Instead, what you need to do is go forward, go mm -hmm. deeper into it. So, so I fucking kill myself, right? I've taken up pills to die. So mm -hmm. there's a body left. Who, who deals with that? My mom lives four doors down the street. It would yeah. ruin her fucking life yeah. to have to 
drag my fucking carcass out or, you know, the, um, and on an even more, you know, sort of just elemental level, like, well, death, what's that like? You know, the, I don't believe in uh, fucking God or gods or afterlife or anything like that. So when I'm dead, I'm just, I'm just gone. And that means like no more dogs. Yeah. <laughs> no, no more dogs, no more, uh, no more driving down the street and you hear a CCR song and then, Oh, it's two for Tuesday. Yeah. They play another CCR <laughs> song. No, uh, n- no tacos. Yeah. No fucking macaroni and cheese, you know, and no then Sandy su- beaches. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Suddenly I'm like, yo, I want to fucking live, you know? Yeah. I do like some stuff. Yeah, yeah, like I want a dog and some mac and cheese and some fucking like B-list classic rock, you know? Right. Uh, and suddenly like I have a passion for life again, you know? But mm-hmm. I do think it is, you know, sort of what you said of, of you know, just sort of an issue of um, using mental exercises and like framing stuff, mm-hmm. you know, the... Um, well, reframing it. Well, yes. Re- yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 The, the, or yeah, the correct framing of it or perspective or, you know, and, and that's the thing is that like, you know, I mean, to do, I mean, I did basically did a double dose of, you know, what was sort of prescribed to have the ketamine experience. If somebody had tried to fucking take my wallet from me or, you know, stick their balls in my mouth, I couldn't have done anything. Yeah. Um, but if, um, if you're a gopher, a hole is, is a fantastic place to be, Yeah, you know? And for me in that moment, I was in my room with a friend who I trusted, who was just sort of there to monitor me babbling and like looking at a fucking $19 drug light I got off Amazon. Like the, I, I, it it was fan. It was excellent to go in the hole. I'm delighted. Mm -hmm. I went to the hole. I can't wait to go back into the hole, you know? Um, but you know, I mean, I, I think it, it's a good example of how personal like drug use and alcohol use is. I, you know, I was talking to Lanigan. Uh, I, I worked with Mark Lanigan and uh, edited his, his biography mm-hmm. and, or sorry, his memoir. And um, the, we were talking about addiction and stuff. And I was like, you know, I mean, I, I, I would never compare my, my experience to yours. You know, I, I, I was just an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. And he was like, don't you ever belittle your experience like that. He said, for, for the rest of my life, I will be grateful to heroin because mm-hmm. heroin saved me from a life as an alcoholic. Yeah. And I was <laughs> like, holy shit. I never thought of it that way. Yeah. You know, Oh, alcohol is, um, I think alcohol is probably worse than a lot of them just because it is so socially acceptable and um so easy for anyone at any time to get i mean even like mouthwash and stuff like that you know if someone's really desperate rubbing alcohol i've seen people drink so yeah it is one of those i, I have drank both of those yeah and, <laughs> yeah yeah and uh yeah you know i mean the stanhope has a bit about like oh you know the the only reason that we value like ecstasy or Coke or something like that is that you have to fucking sit in a Denny's parking lot for 45 minutes to wait to get it from a guy, you know, and that like, yeah. um, the, and like the flip side of that bit is that if they invented a new drug today, that was like uh tasteless odorless, uh, if you took too much of it, it could, um, y- you know, you could get raped. You could rape someone else. Mm-hmm. You could go blind. Your organs could fail. Like every fucking uh, suburban mother's coalition would rise up to crush it. And that's mm-hmm. alcohol. Yeah. That is our like American lifeblood. You mm-hmm. know. The- well, I mean, just like, I mean, other countries as well. Like it's probably one of the oldest. I mean, maybe. I just- it's gotta be. But like weed probably definitely mushrooms and stuff like that um yeah. but, but but people didn't even know a lot of times you know they thought that um that they were witches you know because these people were fucked up or that you know that they were put under some type of spell they didn't even know um what was it like a lot of the witch trials is because some of the bread was moldy and had like those spores on it and they were just tripping balls <laughs> and they weren't actually witches at all which is um hilarious but yeah it's definitely got to be well, I mean, yeah, even if you go back to fucking like the Bible and that whole story is like Jesus turns 
wine into water, water into wine or whatever. Yeah. So they've been, we've been drinking for a real long time. It's, it's like horn. It's probably like the first alcohol, like horn was the first job. Alcohol was probably the first drug that people just can't seem to kick. Um, and, and farts are the first joke. Yeah. I still love your mom jokes too. I'm a big fan of like a oh, good yeah. solid, your mom joke. And I'm like, God damn, that was good. Yeah, yeah. They, they sneak up on you because it's it, it's sort of like you think you've heard everyone and it mm-hmm. when you can turn it on its head. The have you read um The Compass of Pleasure? No, I have not. It's um it, it's a book about um uh drug use and drug abuse and sort of like you know uh you know basically the the same center in your brain is activated if you're eating really spicy food mm-hmm. if you're meditating if you're praying if you're having yeah. sex or if you're fucking doing meth or yeah something. yeah it's the serotonin it's the, dopamine it's the happy chemical yeah it's yeah. like it's, it's all the same thing you mm-hmm. know and one of the and this is maybe weird territory for a sober alcoholic to go into, but, but if you look at it, like human beings, aren't the only ones who get fucked up, you Hell know, no, we're the, not. there's, there's like, uh, <laughs> reindeer that will not only eat psychedelic mushrooms, but then when they see pea stained snow, they eat the pea stained snow in case another deer has eaten the mushrooms and peed out the, Mm -hmm. you know, the active ingredient. And, you know, so it's like the, all kinds of animals, um, goats eat green coffee beans, Mm -hmm. you know, to get that fucking get goatin in the morning in the morning God, catnip God, for christ's sake. Have you ever seen a cat on catnip? (laughs) Like, so what, what purpose do if you look at it from an evolutionary mm-hmm. perspective like what purpose did drugs have in our lives yeah you know, like, like how i fucking learned a million things when i was fucked up you know oh my, the, like some of the some of my like most like like definite life lessons and stuff just about the world in general have all been on drugs it's not nothing i've ever learned in a book it's from either taking some acid or maybe doing too much coke you know, like just certain things that, yeah, I have definitely learned way more from, from getting fucked up than a lot of things. I think it's the experience of it. Um, you find, you know, your, your mind is expanded more like different parts of the brain are working and you do have that subconscious part that, that you don't really pay attention to. That's kind of more active and like coming out a little bit or the shadow self, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I definitely think that's why I think everyone should try mushrooms. <laughs> I, I ate a couple of mushrooms when I was out in southeastern Ohio on tour mm-hmm. and um, I didn't eat enough to like have some kind of like cosmic epiphany. Mm-hmm. But the the thing that I learned was like very sort of like banal and mundane, which is that like when I go on the road, I smoke cigarettes because I enjoy smoking cigarettes and it's nice to be able to come off stage and fucking have I can't have a drink, yeah. I, you know, to have a thing, mm-hmm. you know? And so I, I, I took a couple of mushrooms and then I was like having trouble breathing. And the, the epiphany that I came to was fucking 44 years old. It's time to stop smoking. Like what the <laughs> fuck, man? Like, you had your chance, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like, you know, the, um, the tie dye is out. Smoking is out. You know, there are things that are appropriate for a man of your age. And this ain't one of them. What about vaping? Have you tried like vaping? Although I tend to cough more, especially with the nicotine vapes. Like I'll cough more on those than I do on regular cigarettes. I've been a smoker for going on 26 years now. I like it a lot. I, you know, the, I still remember like fucking doing a line of speed and like opening a pack of Marlboros in Virginia where they're like, they're, they're so fresh or almost like wet. Yeah. It's like, it's like a rare state or something. And they have that it, smell and like, yeah, you can... and it, like your fingers are sticky and it's mm-hmm. like, and you're smoking it and it's so heavy. It's like a fucking meal. It's so good. Yeah, I, I can't wait to have another cigarette. <laughs> that's yeah, definitely that's... Gonna stick. <laughs> yeah. That's definitely one thing that, um, like I, I've, I've quit a couple of times, uh, smoking, like I want to say five, six times. And it's always about for almost a year. And then I'll go out and have a couple of drinks and then someone will have them. Cause I smoke Newport one hundreds and I'm a snob. Like I don't like other cigarettes. So if someone has one, I'm like, Oh, I could have one. Cause I'm the non-smoker now. And I could do this. And it really is just that 
thing. All of a sudden I'm keeping a pack of cigarettes at a comedy club. And then the next thing I know, I'm taking that pack of cigarettes home with me. And then all of a sudden I'm a fucking smoker again and be like, wait, how did this happen? Like not even paying attention to how that happens. Yeah. I love cigarettes. Um, I would like to quit, but I also like it a lot. So that's like, I know they're horrible for me, but I also love them a lot. Yeah. Um, I I mean, and that's the thing is like, I, I never, um, I've never gotten to the point where I was like a fucking, you know, two pack a day guy, you know, but like, you know, where I just like, like have a couple cigarettes in the evening. Um, and it's always, you know, I sort of a sense of completion, like, okay, the day is done, Mm -hmm. you know, and now I can sit down and fucking relax. But I mean, I I run like five or six days a week too, which is like, Oh, that's good. I can't doing these two things that are totally fight each other. (laughs) When I I was younger, when I first started smoking, like I used to run the mile and smoke a fucking cigarette because we were outside and they couldn't see, or I didn't think we'd blow the smoke in our fucking shirts or whatever. I used to be able to run the mile. It was like the shortest time was like five 50 or something like that. Yeah. Which is actually really fast. I was better at long distance than sprinting though. But yeah. And then I started smoking and I'm not sure if that's like a hereditary thing because like my mom doesn't smoke, but pretty much everyone on her family side, um, her side of the family smokes like her dad, my grandfather died of stage four lung cancer. He was one of those people that he would wake up in the middle of the night, smoke a cigarette, put it out. Like he smoked three packs of Marbreds a day for pretty much his entire fucking life until he started having stroke after stroke after heart attack until stage for lung cancer. <laughs> so there is that, but my grandmother on my, um, on my father's side, she was fine. Like she smoked Paul mall non-filters until she was 85 years old. Did she have to walk around with an oxygen tank? Yeah. And she smoked cigarettes with the oxygen tank and tell my uncle, uncle that, uh, she hopes she blows up the house because, uh, he had her resuscitated once when she had a DNR, but my uncle's very, uh, terrifying. So I always wanted to make merch that was like the the Guns N' Roses logo, but it just said DNR. Nice. <laughs> I was I thinking guess. about getting that tattooed uh, somewhere. <laughs> like, I never wanted like chest or neck tattoos, but I think that would be like, they would see it, you know? <laughs> A tram stamp that just says DNR. DNR. Please do not resuscitate. I did this for a reason. <laughs> a lot of times. I'm happier. Um, I think with the, because we were talking about like suicide and stuff like that, because there hasn't been a day I want to say since I was, um, like eight years old, I want to say that I haven't thought about, um, suicide. Some days it's more prominent and some days I do put the gun, you know, there's like one or two of those, but yeah, there is that, um, I did like how you said, instead of be like, oh, you have this to live for be like, what would happen when I would die? Like one of the main reasons why I haven't committed suicide, um, is because of my dog. It's because I'm like, who the fuck is going to take care of my dog? Like, I don't trust anyone with her. And she's so and now she's older and she's like going deaf. Like she keeps falling too. So I oh, yeah. And stuff. So I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm like, I can't leave this bitch alone. I'm like, someone needs to take care of my dog. Once my dog dies, though. It's, uh, no, I'm kidding. kidding. No, I, I have the same arrangement <laughs> with my mom. She, when I was like 22, we were shit faced and playing Scrabble. And she made mm-hmm. me promise that I, you know, that I wouldn't kill myself. And, uh, and I was like, okay, fine. Fuck it. I, I promise, you know? Yeah. And, um, but when she, when she's gone, it's not like she's going to kick my ass for right. Um, I know. Yeah. A promise, you know, but, um, but yeah, my cat's got to grow thumbs because I, you know, the she's, she's special needs. She's like, uh, sway backed and her hind feet stick out like this. And it, so oh. she is about, she has a brain issue. So she, every time she shakes her head, she falls down. And yeah, uh, I've seen it's, it's funny, the sober guy with the drunk cat, but, <laughs> um, but I, I, you know, I, there, there are definitely, you know, I mean, I, and I think that's what, that's what it's basically been to be a pet owner during the pandemic is, mm-hmm. you know, so many of us were like, well, today's the big day. And then you're like, oh, who's going to feed the dog? Yeah. <laughs> oh, All right. I'll try again. You know? Yeah. The- yeah. There was one time I actually, I was going to drive my dog. I drove my dog out to my parents. I'm like, okay, if anything, they could keep her because they got like their dog had passed away. And I'm like, they could use another dog. And, but they had gotten another dog and this dog was insane. And I'm like, I can't leave my dog with this fucking psycho. 
And so that derailed. I'm like, this bitch has kept me alive better than any of my. I mean, in that instance, it's not even your dog. It's like, oh, well, their their dog's a fucking twat, you know, like it's that dog. (laughs) They never. Yeah, they always have fucking insane dogs. Um, My dad, my stepdad loves like um, labs, golden labs black labs that's pretty much all they've ever owned and he doesn't train them so and he doesn't want to get them fixed so it's just this freaking big ass dog with fucking balls just trying to hump everything (laughs) it's um it's very it's funny gotta love family gotta love it so um you had an album come out in 2020 over quarantine if i remember oh yeah i mean i I, I put a bunch of stuff out. I have uh, three new albums up on Bandcamp. I have a, um, fuck, what are they called? Um, I, there's one that, which is called. Uh, the LPs, like the little mini, is that what they are? Uh, yeah, three uh, EPs. EPs. The, um, they're all up on Bandcamp. One is called, uh, I thought there would be more people here. Uh, <laughs> a live record, which is, it's just one of those. Every comedy that, show like, I've ever done. But. Yeah, I know. I, I, I was like, I hear this phrase so often. I, I need to, uh, I need to, you know. Um, the, Incorporate it. Yeah. The, and then um, I did one, which is sort of a studio record that I did with uh, Ian from Riverboat Gamblers. Um, and that's called uh, I'll Be Gone, which I guess fitting when I on the heels of my conversation about suicide. You know, I, there was a point in my life where I was just sort of like um, always leaving uh, something mm-hmm. and and someone. Um, and you know that was the the record that came out of that. And then there's another one that, of course, I can't fucking think of the title of. But right now, as we speak, mm-hmm. I have a Kickstarter going. Um, I. Uh, started publishing my writing 10 years ago with Amazon and mm-hmm. I had seven best-selling Kindle singles. Um, nice. uh, you know, the big story about sort of getting sober and becoming a distance runner um, sold over a hundred thousand copies, but somehow never made it into print. Um, so this year, you know, sort of my 10 year anniversary of mm-hmm. publishing my writing, I will be publishing, uh, self-publishing a, a physical collection of my Kindle singles Nice. Uh, with a, uh, forward or introduction by endurance athlete, um, uh, rich roll and a forward by everybody's favorite capitalist, Jeff Bezos (laughs) at the time, it just seemed like a funny, cool thing to do. And now (laughs) I'm like, wait, uh, I don't know. This this feels a little divisive. Right. Yeah. So is, he, um, is he still in space? Did we leave him there? I I haven't checked. He hasn't texted. So I don't okay. know. Okay. Yeah. The, well, keep the, me updated. You know, honestly, I mean, the the thing that he wrote for the book is uh it's incredibly sweet and incredibly beautiful. Um mm-hmm. and also, you know, the at the time when I started publishing with Amazon, they had this Kindle singles program where you got 70% of your um of, of your sales. Mm-hmm. Um, and that changed my fucking life and it bought a house for my mother. And that's awesome. Um, the, you know, I don't, I'm not a billionaire apologist. I don't think there are ethical billionaires. Um, yeah. however, um, the decisions that Amazon made and that he made absolutely positively affected my okay. life and I'm fucking yeah. grateful, you know, yeah. the, um, but yeah, that's my pitch. Everybody, please give me all your money for the damn Kickstarter, <laughs> and uh, so I can get this book made. and And hopefully, the next record will be with uh, Mark Lanigan producing. I'm looking at doing some more road dates with uh, Kyle Schutt from uh, The Sword. So uh, if Delta doesn't fucking shut us down and kill us all again, I, I will be back <laughs> out there doing what I love the least. Right. Uh, where can people find you on social media and stuff? Um, I, it's going to, this is probably hard for y'all to believe, but I'm the only Mishka Shabali out there. So I'm, <laughs> at, I'm at Mishka Shabali on Instagram at Mishka Shabali on Twitter. Um, I, I'm the only Mishka Shabali on Facebook. Mishka uh, Shabali. Yeah. That's gotta be nice. My name, um, Aliyah Janine, I was the only one for a very long time. Um, and now there's actually people with the same name and then there are hundreds of accounts that just have my name and they're just numbered, which is fun. <laughs> and those, those accounts just disseminate 
quotes that you've said? No, or? no, no. They're um, on Instagram. They're literally numbered Aaliyah Janine 17. That was a joke. I know it's just pictures um, of your body. No, <laughs> no, was... no. They don't even have pictures up. Wait, it's, it's just, not even like, like, no, they're just completely, they oh. just have like on Twitter, there's an account that has my like full name. Like you can find my, my last name on, um, you know, Wikipedia, IMDb, but, um, like I go by Aaliyah Janine and that like, that's just creepy to me that someone's just like, Oh, let's put up her full name. And I contacted Twitter, but because they don't have a profile picture and they're not tweeting, they're not impersonating me. I'm like, I am literally the only Aaliyah Janine daily Willis in the entire fucking world because I have a lot of, there's just all of the names. And I was just like, whatever you're an asshole. <laughs> um, oh, go ahead. I, I can't get verified on Twitter because Mishka isn't my real first name. It's Mikhail, which is, you know, it's sort of like the difference between Michael and Mike, mm -hmm. but that's enough for them that they're like, nope. Really? Because there's like, isn't that like you could count that as a stage name? Because there's porn stars that are verified that don't use their real name. Also, may, I may have just phoned it in when it came to making an offering. <laughs> I, I, I did it and then I was like, do I care about this? Or yeah. like, yeah, no. Yeah, if there's an, as long as people aren't me. impersonating you or something like, because I have people that like will impersonate me and also like people try to contact, contact fans and like get money from them. And like a lot of like, I don't even have like an Amazon wish list. Like I, I put out my PO box every once in a while. Someone wants to send me some Nick Cage stuff. No Nick Cage stuff. Um, yeah, but I did get a Bukowski book and a couple of other things, which is nice. But yeah, I'm like, I've never been into even when I was in porn, like every once in a while. I'll be like, someone Venmo me $20 and I'll get $20. I'm just like, still got it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> still hot, baby. Um, well, thank you so much for coming on. This is a great um, conversation about ketamine. I definitely um, enjoyed it. Obviously, you can find uh, this wonderful podcast where uh, you find all of your wonderful podcasts. Um, I'm your host, Aaliyah Janine. All right. Bye, everybody. Oh, awesome. Boy. Hold on, where did this go? Let's go back here. You know what, Zoom. Did you did you forget to hit record? No, 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 no. It's totally recording. It's just like because I'm not because I had like a trackpad before. So like the mouse, I haven't used a mouse in um a couple of years and it is touchy. Yeah. yeah. I I have a, I have a trackball with